0: This is Jason Flores from the Endurance Lab. And today, I'm joined by our coaches, Taya, Mitch, and Ian. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit about our first week of the Performance Lab and kind of what's going on with the Endurance Lab today. But f- before we do that, I want to check in with the coaches. So how's everybody doing this morning? Doing fantastic. Oh. Just,
1: just, awesome. built a, uh, <laughs> just built a, uh, a run for my treadmill for the ITU uh, World championship, long course, world championship course. That's what I'm doing next. Absolutely. Very cool. Mitch, Mitch, you've been a little bit quiet on that side. What's been going on with you, Mitch? You know what's
2: awesome is in the last week I have ran three times. So I, I had a running injury last July, I did some physical therapy, and then winter came, and I started running again. And, and what's amazing is, is the the diversity in the workouts, bringing something new back into um my plan has really reinvigorated me, and, and you know my legs are really sore, but it's uh, kind of brought a fresh perspective to uh, my fitness, which is good.
0: Wow, that is really great! I'm really excited to see Mitch um, uh, healthy. I know he's been kind of plagued in the last couple of years as far as um, as far as running and that sort of thing, but um, seeing him back in action, man, that's just some great energy we're getting from him. Um, so, Tia,
3: what's going on with you? I know you've been busy. I have been uh really busy with the first week of the lab and uh, getting everybody set up. Um uh, but this has been a recovery week for me, which is perfect because it's also spring break, which means I have the kids at home. So I've been working on some serious slime recipes. Um but I've been uh as a recovery week, you know, I typically I typically train 5 days on the bike, 2 days off the bike. And uh, for the recovery week, I have three days off the bike. And, of course, the intensity is way down. So um, it's been great. I led the uh, group workout yesterday with the short clients in the workout module in Zwift. And uh, it was great to uh, do that workout on, with fresh legs. Uh, just uh, reminds me of how important it is to get that rest in.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the workouts more in depth, but, um, timing our, um, life and our family lives around, uh, our workouts can definitely be difficult. I'm kind of on a build and I'm trying to stage our home for photos um, because we're looking to be selling uh, the home that we're currently in pretty soon and trying to move all that stuff at night and train in the morning is definitely getting to me so I wish I had that time right now but um, really getting tough but really really enjoying um, the lab Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that but I am actually doing the lab one week ahead um, to try to get these videos um, going and up and running and so um, we'll talk a little bit about as far as the lab but why don't we jump straight into that I'm going to pass this over to Ian we're going to start with the strength um kind of our core our foundation our base to keep this going so um ian what are we going what's going on as far as strength and multi-sport in this first week in the performance lab
1: yeah thanks jason so we've got a a number of things going on as we have built our building our volume and uh, intensity that uh will talk about later uh we still have to maintain our our core strength you know core strength is key as we as we move through this, because as you fatigue into these longer sets or the more intense sets, you got to you've got to really hold it, hold it together. And again, that that really strong part of your body that can that can help you with your breathing, breathing, that can help you with good form, that can help you just power through on the climbs or the really hard, intense points. That's what we're really focused on. So as we look, look this week, it's actually a fairly light week, um, but we did do a little bit. We're doing a little bit of upper body work and core work with a little bit of uh, another one of the short core work that uh, that Taya put together. Going into the next week, it's going to be more core strength circuit and a combination. And, and all of these are designed for more of a rapid progression through the exercises with very little rest. So that's why you see no real weight to most of them, uh, but there's also no real rest. So it's a quick 15 to 30 minutes and your, uh, your core gets a little bit smoked, but then that's going to help you in the long run because when we're doing our, our long workouts, whether they're bike run or swim, you don't really get any rest in the middle of a race. You don't get to stop and go, okay, guys, sorry, right, five minutes, real quick, recovery.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, a lot of times um, on that last 100K race that I did, several times I saw people trying to stretch on the bike, um, and at that point, obviously, it speaks to kind of a core that's breaking down. Um, you know that person's going to pop here pretty soon. And um, But, yeah, trying to make that stretch, and it just doesn't happen in the heat of a race. Um, but um, speaking to the strength workouts too, I know Ian's got a lot of the workouts um, – kind of tagged and um, kind of real-time videos. So if you are looking to do one of the workouts, check our YouTube video, definitely subscribe there. You'll be able to get a chance to do that live. I'm also going through and um, creating some of the new, what we're calling variations video, which is a quick video anywhere from five to 10 minutes that'll give you some of the variations that you could do on the different movements to help it so that you understand what what kind of movements you'll be doing and the different variations you can do um, for your level of fitness.
3: And also All right. on, on that topic, the um, daily core workouts, the 15 minutes, there's the uh, version 2.0 coming up pretty soon. Uh, for those of you who have been doing that one for a little while, I need a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Nice. I think it's really important that um, in this core, these workouts, whether it be the strength workouts or the core workouts or the kind of side after, after, um, after the cycling workout workouts, um, can be scaled and it 's understood that you know just because you look at it and you're like i don 't think I could do all these movements. there is a way that everybody can find a way to do it, whether it 's decrease the reps, change the movement, but get the work done. any movement's going to be better than no movement at all, um, and it 's really going to pay off its dividends even here during the performance lab. All right, Tia, as far as skills is going and kind of the layers that we build here at the Endurance Lab, um, let's break down kind of what workouts we're doing this week, what we have coming up on the weekend, and kind of how it's all coming together as far as what we've put together for for the week and the weeks coming.
3: So the first thing I'll mention is, uh, as we are in the first week here of the Performance Lab, is you will notice as you look through your files that many of the workouts in this lab can be done outdoors. So look out for those notes in the description of the workout and also the introduction videos that I put out um, in the forum explaining the workouts. So this is a a great option for everyone. This week, we worked on many already, I would say. It was a a busy first week, uh, many good skills here. We had the short climbs workout where we practiced going up a steep hill at lower cadence 50 to 70 rpms wide range for everybody to work with there and dropping that to you know fast cadence um immediately following as still as part of that short climb to accelerate at 190 to 100 rpms um 30 seconds vo2 so it's been a great workout um everybody has had great feedback on that one and you know what if you're out there um this weekend or, you know, riding um, in Watopia, for example, in Zwift, and you go up the hilly route, that little climb for the KOM is about three minutes. So you can practice your skills there outside of the uh, workout module. Um, So we did that. We worked on sprints, and we'll get into more details here in the Hot Topics of the lab, seated and standing. We had the temperature threshold ramps, the 853. And finally, the last workout of the week, the Tempo 883, which was really designed as an outdoor ride, if you will, um, that can be also done indoors. So that one is a little bit of a change that we're introducing in this lab, which is you have the option to do this ride indoors or out. But if you do indoors, do it outside of workout module, do it outside of ERG, and uh, keep it within the Prescribed FTP range that we give to you 60 to 75 percent allow for variations in the terrain uh, and power according to what's you know what the terrain is dictating but then include in a few tempo blocks Um, but don't go over it because that's the other important thing about this lab is we are doing Saturday to Sunday back to back workouts the Sunday one is designed to be more on the endurance side Um, if you're doing indoors or out doesn't matter but really don't overdo that last one because it will catch up to you eventually down the road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as um, speaking to um, doing workouts outdoors, I actually did. Um, there was, um, let's see, a work uh, the sprints workout um, that I typically do outside, which is great. And I got a couple messages um, after I posted my workouts on how to set up our um, garments or our Wahoos to be able to do the workout outside and kind of how to use it. So the key is, um, and I think I'm going to shoot a video, um, if we can, of this uh, this week of how to do it. And it's the key is to put in um, uh, the lap button um, where you can reset or you can reset each of the intervals so that you can go to the start point of wherever you're going and then start in an interval, let's say, you know, before that little hill that you're going and then you recover and come back. Um so I don't know if any of the other coaches recently have done this on any of our um devices but trainer um training peaks has definitely got some um, new additions that will help um allow us to take uh, these workouts outdoors and so I'll try to illustrate that I've got I've done two outdoors and it's worked pretty well um but really just the key is um asking your Garmin to be an open ride until the rest recovery is done and then you hit lap and that starts the intervals and that and you're where you need to be um outdoors essentially so something to think about.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll do it automatically for you, uh, not not putting the lap part in there. So it just depends on how you want to tweak it and what you know exactly. you have coming up for for if you have to ride 15, 20 minutes to get out of traffic. Yeah, you obviously don't want to have it yeah. uh, continue to run when you're stopped at traffic lights. Exactly,
3: but, but one thing exactly.
1: I, I will say is when you do take these outside, um, be very cognizant of the fact that you may come up to traffic considerations when you're in the middle <laughs> of it. Yeah. So, uh, don't, don't hammer it and just say, wow, well, it's a red light, but I got 12 seconds left. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So really be careful. I really find some, uh, so kind of out there, more secluded places kind of out, my, out of, um, out of range where, um, there's not very many cars. I usually try to pick, especially for the longer intervals. For example, um, some of the VO2 reps that I did, um, that are coming up, um, were 90 seconds. Um, you're looking for a hill around two minutes that you can kind of go up and down, um, with not much traffic. Um, so doing those, um, doing the homework before, um, and finding those segments on Strava uh, is a good place to start. So,
3: and even if right. you don't don't want to get fancy with um, the Garmin, for example, the way I've been doing it is, um, you know, the intervals are straightforward, right? So they're let's mm-hmm. say four by mm-hmm. four, whatever it is. I yeah. write it down. This is funny, right? I write no, it down no. on my leg. <laughs> so oh take, wow! On your leg? Yeah, I do. I take a little, you know, I take the pen and I just write it down on on my thigh. And I just hit the lap button. I have the, the garment yes. set up for the lap button, and I just do it that way.
1: Yeah, I have two problems with that. Way. One is I sweat so much that there's no way the marker is going to stay on there. And two, I don't have big enough thighs to that in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to comment <laughs> yeah.
0: on that. So um, hold on. Wait, is there a special marker? What we What are we using today? like use a sharpie. A sharpie? Yeah. No way. How do you of take course. that? Out?
3: It's so, it's so easy. I, yeah, just wash it off.
0: Oh my I don't God. know if you
1: noticed, Jason, they, they've they invented these things a few years ago called showers. We like to do them after we work
0: out. <laughs> uh, well, parents, you know, parent life, you may get one every one or two days. So, oh,
3: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Backyard hose.
2: H O S C, hose.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> All right. Since we're talking about workouts, uh, let's go straight over back to Taya. Um, there's been a lot of conversation in the lab. Um, so let's go to hot topics in the lab and, um, we'll, t- let's talk a little bit about sprints, um, sprinting on the trainers, um, kind of what we're, what to do there. And then also bringing that outside, um, talking about seated versus standing. So what was going on? And what was the conversation about this week in the lab, Taya, about sprints, um, on the trainers?
3: So we had uh, a workout that had us do sprints in the saddle and out of the saddle. The first set was in the saddle, the second set out of the saddle. So many questions came up. And um, let's start with the purpose of sprints, right? So it's it, you don't have to be a sprinter to to want to do a sprint workout. It's important to have that skill if you need a quick acceleration okay. during races, for example, so you can get people off your wheel, or you're, you're of course, going to, for the finish line. But Um, You want to open a gap or you're bridging a gap in a ride or a race. You're keeping up with a group. You need to accelerate after corners. All of these are important skills to have that a sprints workout will bring to you. So you're working on power, but you're also working on torque and uh, getting up to speed very quickly in that acceleration. So Stephanie um, asked a question about, you know, which one is best, standing or seated? Um, Some people don't usually do standing Sprints, or it's hard for them to do. Which one is best was her question. So out of the saddle is where you get your maximum power and maximum speed. But there's a time and place for both. So typically, if you're coming in at high speed and you have momentum, you'll be able to put out more power by standing. Um, you are really putting the weight of your body on the pedals side to side. The And, and the key there is to do it such that you can spin up, and at the end of the sprint, you'll you quickly get up to a very high cadence, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, you might need to do a seated sprint, which might not necessarily be a sprint per se, if you are, let's say, at the top of a climb, and you need to accelerate up, and you want to go faster up, and the short climbs is a good example of that. Um, or you need to react quickly to an attack or a gap, but you're in a group and you don't necessarily want to stand up and sprint, right? But you need to have that same reaction that a sprint will give you when you're seated. So, different scenarios, but these are just examples, and it's good to have both in your toolbox so you're able to do um, standing and seated. The other question that came up is regarding form. So, um, let's say that you're doing your sprints outside, and it takes practice to do a standing sprint outside, it requires a strong core. And I gave the example of the plank workout where you are doing, you're in a plank position and you put two towels behind your forearms. So it's a forearm plank. And the the exercise there is to move your forearms alternating up and down, right and left, uh, 12 times or so that, it, that will uh, work the muscles that you would work if you're doing a standing sprint. So it's a great workout there. But key is to engage your core, your elbows are in, the bike will tilt slightly side to side as you put down the power. Hands in the drops, not everybody is comfortable starting with the hands in the drops, but typically that's where you have better control of your bike. You bend your elbows, you keep your weight centered over the cranks to avoid leaning too far forward. Let's say if you were to look down in your handlebars, you would see your eyes will be at the same um, height as your Garmin. And you use a gear where you can quickly get up to high cadence as you, as you do the sprint. Now, if you're in the trainer, that can be tricky because the trainer, well, chances are it will not allow for your bike to move side to side. I have a Neo, a Tex Neo, and mine actually moves. It's got some, some wiggle room there side to side. Other trainers, your bike is just standing there still. So it gets a little trickier that way. And uh, there was a comment also about one of our riders who, um, was saying that her trainer moves, like shifts, and and slides over to one side. And that might be also a sign of imbalance, um, a little bit of imbalance uh, on your your power right to left. Um, But really, if you're on the trainer, yes, it's harder. You can still practice the core engagement and the elbows in, and uh, it won't be the same, but you still get a good um, training out of uh, doing the sprints there. Any other comments from the coaches on the uh, sprinting in the uh, trainer?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I have a kicker. It, it gives me a little bit of wiggle, but not a whole lot. But I found that when I really work on my core strength and stability, I'm, I'm focused much more on pushing the power directly into the pedals. And I don't necessarily look for the give um, that I, the give on the bike as far as the left and right lean like I do when I'm on the road doing it. Um, no, normally when I'm on the road doing it, it's because I, I have a backpack, a giant chain on me, and I'm out sprinting <laughs> a dog or a traffic light but uh but yeah so it it is it is something to work on and i I think that that it will directly translate over to the road when you do it on the trainer and if you really focus on on trying not to throw the bike left and right on the trainer you will work on some of that core stability because what i think people for mistake is they they throw the bike left and right on the road instead of that's a natural thing that happens as you push Mm -hmm. the power into the pedals like Taya said and and they look and watch, you know, the Mark Cavendish of the world, Rodney McEwen. Right. Like, it looks like they're throwing that bike, and that's just not the case. They're just putting so much power into those pedals that the bike has to lean a little bit to give. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a really good point by Ian.
0: Yeah. So doing this, doing this um, several times outdoors um, in preparation um, recently for a race, and then again for the lab. Um, Making sure that you're putting the pressure at the right place um, on the trainer and outdoors is important. A lot of times people explain that it's kind of "quote unquote" backwards um, on the trainer, but in fact you can work it the same way as long as you're cueing yourself to pull on the opposite side with your arm that the your your foot is going down and really kind of engaging yourself to get yourself down there and really push on the pedals on the side that um us uh, on. Uh, on the side that you're driving on and pulling with your arm on the other side, it will move, it will move and balance the bike on its own. Um, of course, there's gonna be those aliens of, um, you know, it is Caleb Ewing that is like crazy forum, but really what you wanna do is balance is key. Even the even just being a little too far forward, and I've done it before, the back will start hopping. You're not getting the traction that you need. So balance is key when you're outdoors making sure you're doing this. You'll know very, very quickly um, how far forward you can go and um, before things get in balance. If you're a very tiny, tiny rider, like the way Caleb Ewing is, you can be wherever you are. He's actually probably even smaller than Ian. So I mean, just this little tiny elf trying to sprint. But if you're a taller person or just kind of an average size, average size rider, I don't think you can get too far forward um, w- without lifting up that back wheel. But give it a try at a lower speed. Um, but definitely, this is a great workout um, to go. And cadence and cadence and cadence is the key. Come into this workout in d- with different cadences. Come in um, with a very slow cadence. Uh, you know, I've done this starting at like 8, 9 miles per hour. And then try this coming in with a high cadence with lots and lots of momentum. You know, high cadence and then boom, jumping out of the saddle and finding that gear. There's a lot of things you can learn and be able to use, and we want you guys to have the tools to be able to ride and to be able to, you know, match those efforts out there and, um, you know, make those breaks, close those gaps, those sort of things. And this is what's gonna, it's what's gonna help you. And this is just the beginning in the first week. So really, one last safety
1: note on one last safety note on that, Jason, is again when you're going to these sprints on the road, we all have the tendency since we're used to riding on the trainers Uh, to kind of close your eyes and look down, yeah, or or combination (laughs) thereof. Don't don't do that on the road i mean yeah, you can do it eyes once up. you, you can do it forget. once <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> no eyes up eyes up eyes up definitely yeah i do these workouts pretty late at night or pretty early in the morning but still eyes up um it's got to be uh if you're going for that you know that town sprint and you you should always be t- eyes up i um, making sure eyes out elbows out right that's isn't that isn't that the saying <laughs> when you're going it's the final yeah. shoot so, yeah, really interesting. Um, recently, I, um, I had a, was listening to a podcast about how um, kind of pros move other pros around and how they talk about putting bars, their handlebars in front of other riders or putting their elbows right into other people's hips to move them. And I went back and watched the video of uh, the actual final, like, 1500 or so, and you could physically see, like p- – everyone just slightly pushing people on each other on their on right on their hip and people would move out of the way and kind of like it was this weird like school of fish moving through the finish and once you kind of look at it and cue at it you're like oh my gosh they're actually pushing each other at this speed yeah. at like 30 plus miles per hour that's nuts
1: so Some do it with but, their head
0: yeah yep. yeah yeah well but that's highly looked down upon but <laughs> All right. Tia, do we got anything else um, as far as the Sundays ride? I know you talked about it um, being in the workout, um, uh, not in the workout module, but um, doing it as a
3: workout or outdoors. Was there any other comments there? So the uh, last Yes. Uh, one last comment here is uh, take that Sunday ride and play with it. You know, that should be it's still a workout. Sure. But it should be your, your fun ride. And if you yeah. have a uh, group ride that you're used to doing on the weekends, go to that as long as it's not a hammer fast,
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: or if it is a hammer fast and you really want to do it, then let's think about swapping that for another workout of the week, right? But taking that Sunday ride as a good ride that you're going to enjoy indoors or out, be outside of the workout module if you're indoors. And, um, you know, you, you follow what we have there, let's say if we have like this Sunday's ride, eight minutes of tempo in there at 85%, be in the ballpark, right? But it's really peeling the next layer of the onion. We first talk about doing your workouts in the workout module, for example, in Zwift, etc., out of erg mode. The next layer of the onion is you're out of the workout module altogether and out of erg mode. So then you're really working with the terrain, and but you're in control. You're in control of your power. The terrain is not going to dictate how hard you have to go. So keeping your power within, you know, don't go above 80%, 85% on that Sunday ride. Resist the temptation of going harder, as I mentioned at the beginning. If you do that, it will catch up to you eventually, and you're not getting the rest that you need um, the way that we designed uh, the lab here.
0: Yeah. In anticipation of um, some of our kind of more seasoned um, lab writers, um, there was a question about stacking um, workouts. Um, and so what I had tried uh, kind of in anticipation of questions was stacking a tempo workout on top of the TT workout just to get kind of that fatigue, um, kind of that specificity of end of a long workout um kind of set or a long race. Um so that is an option as well, depending on time. Um you could use this as something that kind of really gets your tempo work in um, and then you get into the TT work. So um, if you have questions about that, let us know. Um, and then we can let you know if you're if you're kind of ready for that sort of thing. So I had a couple of riders kind of message me about that. So excellent. All right. Well we're going to do um a new section here. Um, Ian and I talked about it a little bit last week. We're going to jump into the feed zone. Um, typically this is normal normally a separate podcast, but um, I've decided to kind of um, bring this into the coach's corner to get a little bit more feedback or conversation going. Um, And today um, we are going to talk about um, nutrition, um, primarily pre-workout and post-workout is what I'm looking at. Um, And so which essentially, which is more important out of the two? Um, And I guess- I can do a quick roundtable of what of uh, the coaches feel for their athletes that they feel is kind of um kind of on 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 their sites as a writer is going through the lab. So, what do you guys think as far as before I go into all the little tidbits? I know you kind of read the article, but what are you feeling is key pre or post workout?
1: Well, okay, I'll just say from my perspective, I think that you can't say one's more important than the other, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it depends on the workout. If you're doing a just an easy you know, zone two, no intensity ride and you're kind of just you don't really need a whole lot of special energy for it. For me the pre-workout for that can be just getting some fluids in, maybe a few calories just to get your body going. And then the post the post is, is extremely important. But that if you have a really intense workout coming up, you, you definitely need some calories in your body or else you're just not going to get that workout. Uh you're not going to meet the the goals of the workout because your body's going to fail on you before you can get there because of the lack of <clears throat> lack of uh glycogen stores and just like energy in general but for for me i found that post workout is is the most important thing i've changed with my diet that i Mm -hmm. eat something immediately following and then within 60 to 90 minutes i eat a meal um, if not earlier because if i don't then my body just kind of shuts down absorption for the day and Mm -hmm. i know the next two days of workouts are going to be garbage
0: what's your go-to ian you're like right out you're like last interval done save the file and you're, what are you putting down like right after that? So right after example? that, I have, I have my
1: famous shake. Mm-hmm, uh, that's mm-hmm. the first thing I, I take. And I try to take as, as much as I can of that. And usually, gotcha. you know, if I do a, a really, really intense workout or a really, really long workout, I kind of struggle getting the calories in right away. So I, yeah. over the next, over the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'll take my shake in. And then like I said, about another 30 minutes later, after I've cleaned up, uh, I'll eat some, eat some food. Um, and I'll usually have, you know, two eggs, cheese, omelet, uh, with some avocado in there and turkey. Um, regardless of what time I finish, that's generally
0: my my post-meal or post-workout meal. Okay. So for Taya, what's your, what's your go-to pre-workout for a really intense thing? Are you thinking pre like the hour before? Or are you doing pre-workout kind of like the night before a morning workout, for example?
3: So in my case, because I work out very early in the morning, I pay attention to what I eat the night before. So I make sure that I have Good carbs the night before, and those do not need to be simple carbs, right? Because they're not going to be used right away. I don't, I'm going gotcha. to go to sleep. So I have my uh, dinner, but I make sure that I have in there either sweet potatoes or lentils um, and those sorts of carbs so that I have them stored for the next morning. And the morning of what I do is one hour before I wake up, an hour before I work out, I find that. If I wake up too close to the start of the workout, I just I just don't function properly, so I have to be up an hour before. And what I do the morning of, I do a mashed banana, so I take the banana, mash it with a fork. Nice. I I combine um granola with that. I have uh, this uh, gluten-free granola that I like to combine with it. So I make like a big mush out of it because I don't like milk or even milk substitutes. So I mix the banana, I get a good consistency with the granola and some honey. And uh, this is for simple carbs in there too. So with the banana and the honey being more of the simple carbs, the granola on the uh, lower glycemic type carb, combine the two of them. Um, yeah, so that's what I do essentially before the workout in the morning.
0: No, it's a, That's a great combination. So kind of the science behind that, you're looking at a glucose source, which is a quick using source. You've got a fructose source, which is a slower source, um, which gets um, broken down by the liver. You've got a very, very quick high glycemic um, hit from the honey. So that's a great combination um, pre-workout. So um, for early morning workouts, you know, as you mentioned um, – Taya wakes up and does this an hour before she wakes up before her workout so that's while she's sleeping she does this I think so, <laughs> yeah <with> the t-
2: <laughs> so, so, so I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to apply these to my life and yeah. uh, and so I'm doing early morning workouts too but I'm getting up about 15 minutes before my workout yeah yeah so I'm so I'm in that uh, well, same situation it's tough so, so I'm the every everyday guy right and, uh, right. and so I'm trying to balance is what I do um, and I, I I separate training and, and races because I th- treat them differently. But, mm-hmm. you know, I try to eat a balanced diet, try to eat my vegetables and protein and good carbs and try to stay away from the alcohol. Um, and when I'm working out, I'm really bucketing my workouts like Ian was saying into, you know, is it a easier one-hour workout or is it a really tough hour or longer workout? And that's really kind of changing what I'm doing in the morning right before I work out or as I work out. If it's easy. I'm just drinking water with some electrolyte. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's going to be intense and it's going to be longer, I'll start supplementing with like you know uh, goo waffles or uh, honey stained waffles or or gels or a really good uh, sports drink that I use uh, from EFS Pro that's got a lot of electrolytes and a lot of carbs in it, and just to start giving the body some carbs. And then when I'm coming off the bike on a harder workout, I'm taking a recovery shake and then doing what Ian's saying, trying to have some you know good food afterwards. Um, Races I treat differently. So when I was doing my half marathons religiously, the one I loved was always a really early morning one, and I was getting up really early, a few hours before, um, you know, having some uh, some you know some carbs and some protein, and really beginning the the ritual of fueling the body before the race. But I I just can't do that for a six fifteen workout every day.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, definitely difficult. So yeah, some of the key things um, that were brought up in the article that I had posted in the sports nutrition part of the forum um, have been brought up by our coaches here. Essentially, um, the topics being um, pre-workout, a lot of times, um, depending on the workout, um, it essentially affects kind of how you are going to perform in it. But um, in a lot of the, the conversation here, post-workout is where there's a larger window of time, um, especially if you are, um, you know, working athlete um, your time crunch athlete you're doing a lot of these things kind of in a smaller window a lot of times they're early in the morning so it's important that you're getting up if you are doing pre-workout you've got that ready to go um, you you get it in and if not you've got your plan that you have gotten the nutrition that you need in the night before so speaking to kind of uh, post-workout The idea or the way we can kind of whittle it down is either a 24-hour window of recovery or a longer than 24-hour window of recovery. So what this speaks to is, are you going to be doing a workout in the next 24 hours or shorter, or if it's going to be longer than 24 hours, um, uh, all the way up to 48 hours as far as recovery? So if we break that into two sections, if you're doing something less than 24 hours, um Or around that 24-hour window, you are needing to do kind of what Ian described, um, what Mitch is saying here, making sure you're getting nutrients in, you're getting that carbohydrate source, you're getting a good source of protein, you're making sure you're getting fuel in right after the workout because you are going to need to put that in and you really only have 24 hours to put that uh, fuel back in so that you can go again the next day. But here's the catch. If you are going more than 24 hours, let's say you have a rest day or recovery day, You can actually just go back to eating the meals that you normally would. Um, And that's the key. So a lot of times people feel, 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 feel for all the workouts, no matter how, you know, what they are, how long um, they're spaced in between. You can get the post-workout meal in um, if you feel, but you could actually just get off the bike, get your meal in and start your recovery. And if it is going to be longer than 24, 36, you know, even 48 hours before you do another intense workout, you can actually back off. Increase the protein and kind of increase the veggies, things like that, and go back to kind of your normal routine. And you don't need to fuel the fire, um, you know, for those, that high intensity until you're going back into that workout, um, again after that cycle is over. So I think that's the key. So after training or before training, you need to make sure that you are kind of cycling your, um, nutrients in order to make this work for you. So getting a good, um, entail and you don't need to break this down to macros. You don't need to break this down into calories unless, Um, You really want to take a further look exactly what you're putting in. But actually, you just need to be conscious of what you're putting in. So sometimes it's taking photos. Sometimes it's doing a journal just for a short period of time just to see what you're putting in, to get an idea of where you can put it in through the day. And then you'll start making choices when you're out, whether it be like, um, you know, the office lunch or that sort of thing to make choices so that you're fueling for the time that you need or knowing that you can go for more carbs at the end of the day and kind of open that up or knowing that you can, you know, not do that at lunch and at dinner, it's kind of all out to get that fuel in for the next day. But, so, a really good conversation. If you have questions about this, you know, post about that. i have I have um, an article for each of the weeks that we're going here through the performance lab. I've got the video that we've done in in the in the feed zone, and we'll be talking about that every week. Um, and one of the main things here, going back to pre-workout is coming into the workouts hydrated. And so with that, um, we'll go ahead and quickly transition over to a conversation that um, that we wanted to have a little bit about hydration. Um, and I'm going to throw this over to Mitch, and how can we make sure that we're hydrated and that we're getting all the, um, the the fuel that we need in all at the same time, whether it be the night before or during our workouts, Mitch? Yes,
2: yeah, so, I mean, I think we all know that one of the most important factors in our training and our com- competition is really maintaining your hydration level and making sure that you have enough water in your body. Um, when you get dehydrated, it can directly impact your performance. Um, you know, so... If you actually get down, I'm not going to get into the, the nitty gritty on it, but it's, you know, lack of hydration can impact your core body temperature, can impact your electrolyte concentrations, um, can impact the ability of your blood, you know, the volume of your blood in your body and the ability to deliver oxygen to the muscles. So you, you've <laughs> got to stay hydrated. So when we step back and, and let's think about, you know, how do we know if we're dehydrated? One of the easiest ways is to sort of pay attention to the color and the kind of the content of your urine. Right. And we all know this, right? We look and we see it's really dark and it's really odorous. We we know that we're lacking some water and we drink some water, but pay attention to it and make sure that your urine is always really pale and almost clear. That means you're getting enough water, which is really the first key, which is that you want to be drinking water all the time. You want to drink before your training, you want to drink during your training and you want to drink after
1: your training. So uh, two two things on that real quick. Um, so when you're talking the the color color of urine, there's two two or one really important point. Of, if you do see that your urine color is low or is real dark or, or real yellow, and you start pounding down water, your body's not going to process that water correctly, and it's just right going to push point. itself through. So you're gonna you're going to see that your your urine color is cleared up and it looks better, but your body hasn't absorbed that water. So just be cognizant of the fact that you can't push a ton of water and expect it to absorb right away. Your body just can't process. And the and second it, part of that is for the triathletes, we tend to pee on ourselves. Um, so speak you for yourself
3: those long races, you I knew I go. didn't want to do triathlons.
1: <laughs> you got to stop and hit the hit the bathroom at least one time during those long races. Check it. That's that's a good point.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, being honest, like when I the uh, half iron man I did, I did not, um, except for the swim. I don't think I peed once during the race, and and I think by the end of it, I yeah I was dehydrated and I was having trouble digesting my calories, and it was uh, you know you're getting close to that wall.
3: And, and just very quickly also on the uh, blood volume that you mentioned, Mitch, very yeah. quickly, mm-hmm. the the thing about blood volume is, and this is why you cannot be behind on your hydration. The, once once you're dehydrated and your blood volume is low, to bring that back takes time. Yeah, yeah. and that goes back to you can't catch up that quickly. You can catch up quickly on food, if you if you're not eating enough, but you cannot catch up that quickly with hydration. That's why you have to be on top of it. Yeah, and it
0: takes time, and um, balancing that um, with throughout the day and kind of titrating that um, to get in, um, and that um, can also speak to kind of the percent of. Um, Kind of solution that we're using, but I'm sure Mitch has got a little bit, of, bit about that. So keep keep on going, Mitch. Yeah. So I mean,
2: we also need to pay attention. I think everyone's got an individual kind of sweat rate, and obviously, when we're training or when we're competing, depending on the conditions, a lot of things are going to impact how quickly we process the water and sweat, and 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 you know the intensity. So. One of the things that you can do is you can kind of do that simple test we've all talked about where you weigh yourself before you work out, you drink a known quantity of water, and you weigh yourself when you're done, and you can kind of start to bracket into what your sweat rate is. I mean, I know that when I'm really working um, down in the basement, I'm going through 18 to 20 ounces of water in an hour because I know my weight doesn't change from beginning to end. Um, so you got to have an idea because what you want to do is make sure that when you're competing and training that you're not really losing much of your body mass. Um, I saw various numbers online, but uh, one that was referenced a few times was two to three percent. Um so in a race or when you're working out, you want to try to keep that body mass somewhere, so you're drinking the correct amount of water. But the flip side of it is, and Ian talked about this a little bit, was that you also want to make sure you don't drink too much water too fast. Um, you can actually dilute the amount of electrolytes in your body. So what you want to also do is make sure you're ingesting the electrolytes with the water. So when we we're talking about nutrition and, and what we're eating. You, you heard me mention that a lot of times I'm not having any nutrition during a workout, but I'm having my electrolytes because I find that I recover faster and I feel better after a workout if I ingest some electrolytes, um, even if it's not the most intense workout in the world. So, I mean, the long and the short of it is, and and those of us with kids, I think we're probably always saying this, is we're always telling our kids to drink more water and drink more more fluids, please, because we know how important it is. But we also need to pay attention to it ourselves and make sure we're drinking water through the day. Um, Remember that fruits and vegetables contain a lot of water, so that's also another good source of hydration. But then when you're working out, make sure that you're ingesting the proper amount of water during your training and your competition and getting the electrolytes as well so that you can maintain your health and also your ability to compete.
0: No, some absolutely really good tips as far as hydration, both on and off the bike. Super important to make sure um, you're getting that balance. And electrolytes is key here, everybody. So um, getting that balance between just regular water um, and um, having those electrolytes in is very important. So um, I've got a whole um, podcast on that in the feed zone. So definitely check that as far as hydration. So search hydration under um, uh, in, in the, on the YouTube channel. You should definitely be able to get, the, get to that as well. All right. So let's head over. Oh, uh, Mitch, a couple of things. Um, as we transition, we're going to be talking about kind of the multidiscipline stuff. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the short plan and then we can uh, jump on over to Ian as far as um, kind of long the long plan here? Yeah, great. Thank you, Jason. So, you know, we've had um, prep labs for
2: multi-sport for triathlon and, and Ian's come out with a 13 week uh, plan For long course, so for our half Ironman and Ironman athletes, and I put together an orbital short course, so it's really probably targeted more towards the Olympic triathlete uh, athlete. Um, and we're thinking about making some changes to do it more for a sprint athlete, but for right now, we've got a great plan that's going to be published which is going to be three workouts per discipline per week Um, a lot of good volume in the pool so you're going to be strong on that swim Um, a lot of really good bike workouts to really push your um, ability to do a 40k race and then also a lot of speed on the run so be looking for that in the lab and uh, if you're interested in doing an olympic uh, distance triathlon then that might be a good plan for you
0: that's awesome. Mitch, I heard you're spending a lot of time in the pool with uh, one of your daughters there. She's uh, showing you the new strokes, right? Well, with my shoulder, I'm not doing anything in the pool, but, but oh, apparently, uh, yeah, apparently,
2: um, yeah, So I've got a little swimmer in my family and it's really cool watching, uh, that's awesome. um, and, and we're, we're trying to teach our combat swimming too, so yeah I yeah. appreciate
0: that, oh yeah, yeah, all righty, and so talking about uh combat swimming over to um run and walk for our longer runs, tell us a little bit about kind of some tactics here for our uh, multi sport riders that are um running, why you 'd run off the bike if your bike wasn't broken, i don't know, but tell us why,
1: <laughs> yeah, so thanks, Jason. We talked a little bit last week about run walk concept for the longer course running, um and for just people who are actually. Uh, fighting through a, a very hot uh, race. When you when you're running at, at pace for a long time, your body tends to overheat, and if you're starting to fatigue and you're losing form, a good way to solve this is using a run walk method. And it can be a three run three minute run, two minute walk, four minute run, one minute walk. I prefer to use a time based, vice a distance based, because if you're blowing up, a mile can yeah. take you 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, totally. You, you know, and if you're or if you're just crushing it, you may not have enough uh, enough rest. So. I, I found that the the time-based run-walk works the works the best that I've seen. Now, everyone's got different. But the key to it is when you do this, there has to be significant differentiation. And what I've seen some people as I'm looking through uh, what well, we've got some, some lab participants and some other people I've worked with is they'll run, say, a 10-minute mile, and then they'll walk, or really they're just slower running, a 12-minute mile pace. Mm. Well, that's not enough differentiation because your body's not being able to, to pull that back. And, and right. really you can't walk a 12 minute mile pace very effectively. I mean, that, that's really, really moving. I, I've done it yeah. on a forest road march, but it's really, really moving. So what I try to tell people is you want to get a couple different minutes or a couple minutes of difference more than just those two. So if you're running, say, like I have one of my, uh, my ultra marathon or she runs at somewhere between a nine to 10 minute mile for three to four minutes. And then she walks at a, a 15 minute mile for, for wow. one to two minutes, depending on what we're doing. And and actually, you know, my wife does the same thing and one of our other athletes, uh Deirdre, does the same thing where they do the like a nine to ten minute pace and then a, a 15 minute 15 to 16 minute walking pace. And you know it's it's paid big dividends. Uh yeah, you know, my ultra my ultra athlete, she um, she crushed a hundred miler in in under twenty four hours. And wow. uh yeah, just amazing. And then she did a couple other uh long races like that. And then, uh, Deirdre and, and my wife both did a half marathon and uh, a lot faster time than they expected. So there, there, there is a method to the madness of it. But if you don't have that differentiation, you're not giving your body the appropriate rest to take in the energy, take in the fluids to, to drop your heart rate, to drop the body core temperature and, and to get that quick
0: recovery. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard Ian, um, on, um, you know, runners going into actual like, you know, whether it be half marathon and marathon coming, going in with like a plan, like a run walk mm-hmm. plan. And so a lot of times, um, you know, if we don't do a lot of running, people just think people are just, you know, just full throttle, you know, for 13.1 or 26.2 miles. But, um, yeah, listening to some different podcasts, you know, there may be something broken up like this. And so you're saying that people are finding, you know, getting fast times because they're able to run like more consistently through those, like like that one mile at nine minutes and then walking for 15 and they're getting more consistent. Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So what it is, is your body's getting that quick recovery. So you're, you're not necessarily breaking down as much. So look, when you're talking more at the elite level of the runners, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit yeah. different of, of a game. But, but when you're talking a, you know, the weekend warrior runners who, who maybe aren't the six minute milers or the seven minute milers, but they still want a good time, but they can hold a good pace for a little bit. So for, I'll take an example. I have one of my runners, uh, my runner, JJ, she just uh, finished a marathon in Florida, which obviously it's still warm. It's warm there. And she was pushing a good pace for four minutes and then walked at a good pace for one minute. But during that one minute pace, she was making sure, okay, I'm dumping water on my head. I'm taking a little bit of fluid. So she's able to take in a little bit of fluid at a time by having to wait for that that aid station every mile to try and you know dump a whole bunch of fluid into her body. So every other one, she's taking in fluid. Every other cycle, you know, she's dumping water. Has she taken in a little bit of, little bit of cal, a few calories here and there? And, and what I've seen is really that you are those runners are able to hold a more consistent pace throughout the entire marathon during that run portion, with just those few short periods of walking. Really interesting. All right, cool. Yeah, and so a uh, quick other part I want to cover from our our sport lab is. We're, like Mitch said, we're talking about more things in the pool. And there's two things we really need to focus on in the pool. One is maintaining our form through the pool and through our swim. As we get longer through our swims, we get a little more tired. So focusing on that by just thrashing through the water um, and look like a drowning victim is the, is a better way to do it. If you have to <laughs> slow down and focus on your form, it's much better. I know uh, Taya, can, Taya has experience of that with her son. who's an awesome swimmer. And, uh, you know, if you just... Back it off and hold good form. You lose less speed than if you flail around. And the second part is, us triathletes, we tend to forget that we need multiple gears in the pool. And what I mean by that is, we like to just get in and swim and get in and swim and get in and swim. It's and it, it, that's great, and we need to do that from time to time, just go long and, and steady. But we have to work on some of these different pacings to be able to get out. And when the race starts, you got to get out and make sure you're not stuck in the middle of the pack or a place you don't want to be coming through a turn buoy, you need to be able to accelerate back into, into your pace. You know, as you're coming out of the water, you need to be able to uh, speed up a little bit just to get out of a little traffic sometimes. Um, if you just need to pass or get around somebody who's, who's trying to avoid submarines by doing the zigzag tactic. Um, so there's different things you might need different speeds for. And so we have some of the swims coming up in our group that they show progressive changing a pace with no rest. So you, you recover at a slow and you just get faster over the next couple hundred and you slow back down. We have some 50 meter sprints and some 25 meter sprints. These are all designed to give you different speeds, just like when you're riding your bike, how you need to be able to sprint, you need to be able to do tempo, you need to be able to do zone two, you need to be able to do endurance or, you know, SST type level of work. So that's, that's kind of what we're working on in the pool. And it's, and it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be growing over the the next few weeks. But I I really think if people put some time and effort into that, they're going to see huge benefits later on when they dial it back to a steady pace for a race.
0: Yeah. I think this is kind of goes really well with kind of what we're doing on the bike as far as different cadences and being able to do to do different speeds and different wattages at different cadences. So essentially having these tools in the toolbox again um is what you're gonna find here in the lab. Um you're never gonna find just like you know, do this speed in the pool, do this, do this, um, you know, speed on the run or do this wattage, um, you know, just straight across like ERG style. Um, you're going to find all these different layers on it. So that's definitely um, some good tips that we have here and some things that you'll find all throughout the lab. So we're going to transition to uh, a section we called On the Horizon. This is going to talk a little bit about the week that's coming up and what we have going on for our uh, riders this week. And um, Taya, what kind of workouts have we got going and what can we look forward to?
3: We're going to start the week with um, some over unders. We're going to be working just above threshold and just below threshold. And, um, which is very, another very effective way to train your muscular endurance and really what you do out on the road, right? When you're out there. Right. And the key here that we're going to throw in also is cadence changes. So not only are you going to be going, changing your power up and down, you're going to be changing your cadence as well. So really working on that control for power and cadence. Then we move on to a VO2 workout. The VO2 reps for this week, these are short bursts, but they're repeated. And again, great skill to have. Um, it's a fun workout. Sometimes for VO2, you feel like, a, you know, you look at the workout description, and even if you look at the TSS or how it looks on paper, you might say, well, that's not that hard of a workout. It is a hard <laughs> workout. <laughs> it will wear you out. But on, at the same time, you might be able to recover a little faster because it was intense, fast, quick, but you can, you can recover a little bit faster. But it is, it takes a toll, trust me. And if you want to do back to back VO2, back to back workouts during the week because you have to compress your week, typically don't throw the VO2 as one of the back to back workouts. <laughs> and then we, on Saturday, uh, we're working on uh, the, the third workout is threshold work. Uh, one that you can do indoors or out, and then the Sunday, uh, similar to this week, but with a little more layered in there.
0: Yeah. So um, one thing about um, all the workouts, when they have these cadence changes, go into your training peaks, open up the file, um, and take a look at um, what, what the comments are asking for. So because of the way we lay out each of the workouts, Um, we have the comment of what it's going to be like, um, whether it be 100 cadence plus or 85 to 95. All of that is coded into, um, the workout and you could actually see when they're coming up. So go ahead and familiarize yourself. So it's not a surprise. Like the minute a hard interval starts that it says spin up to 100 at a 140% of your FTP. Um, you know, obviously after the second or third time, you'll get used to kind of what's happening. But take a look at that file and you'll be able to know kind of beforehand. Um, if you want, you could write it on your leg and then that way you'll know whether you're even, in, even if you're indoors so that you'll never forget. Um, so you'll have that for you. you'll have that for yourself, but, um, you can also put it on paper if you're indoors. <laughs> yes, you can, you can. So pull that up. So you have that. Um, we just don't have a way to kind of prep it, um, in the interval before and put it like 30 seconds before the workout. Not yet. Um, so. As we move forward, we may be able to do that so you can be prepared. Um, but just so that you're you're ready, just because the intervals move a little bit quickly, especially in that second part of the workout this week. Um, so, great. Um, yeah, Jason, like, um, go ahead. one thing coming up coming up this week on the
1: multi-sport add-on for this, we have um, two runs, two swims. A one run is a tempo run. So, it's going to be adding two, uh, two by 10 minutes of a harder effort, which is closer to what's well, going to be a 10K effort. And then one of our swims is a key swim. So for anyone who's doing this, and if you have to skip workouts or you can only do one swim, this is a key swim. It's the 20 by 100 progressive. And that's what I just mentioned before about you're going to start off at a slow 100. You're going to go to a little harder, your long course 100 pace, and then a much faster. And then right away, you go back into the next slow 100. So there's no rest between any of these. You just have a target you have to hit, and they get progressively faster. And it slows back down progressively faster, slows back down it's about teaching your body to recover after
0: after a harder effort while still being active and while still moving man that's that's definitely a ch- Definitely sounds challenging. So, all right. So let's wrap this up. Everything is, um, what a great show we had today. I'm here in the coach's corner. I'm going to give a quick summary. It's getting a lot more dense. And if you notice, we're not just talking about what's happening in the performance lab. We're trying to bring you all the tools that you need to be the best rider you can, both on and off the bike. We had a great topic in the feed zone. If you have any questions about that, pre, post-workout, any questions about what we did in the lab this week or anything, any of the skills that we're working on, let us know. We talked a little bit about sprints and kind of working on that. So get out on your bike, get indoors, get outdoors, and um, you know get to practicing those sprints and all the skills that we're working on in the in the multisport. It's just getting me excited to maybe maybe put my running shoes on and go for a run. But um, I don't know. Ian <laughs> said last year I wasn't really built for that, so we'll have to see. And then the last thing we talked about hydration and water. So definitely take a deep dive into that. If you're just drinking water definitely consider putting something in it, an electrolyte, a salt, something like that. Let's do some research, ask some questions, um, and that's a great topic that I'll kind of bring into um, the sports nutrition side of the forum, and um, we can take a look at that. And so we've got a great week ahead of us. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to hear more from the Endurance Lab, more from the coaches, you can catch us in the Endurance Lab forum. If you want more information about the Endurance Lab, check out EnduranceLab.fit and also subscribe to our um podcast um, search for the endurance lab or our youtube channel just search the endurance lab on youtube thanks for joining everyone and for the coaches thanks for joining us today we'll see everyone next week in the coaches corner